0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome everybody once again to the Oz Network as we continue on with our exclusive recap series on the hit television show at least in Our Minds." Third watch, we are into the twentieth episode of the first season. Boy oh boy, we're nearly at the end. Uh, this episode, of course, is entitled A Thousand Points of Light. First aired on the 1st of May, 2000. It was written by John Ridley and directed by Michael Fields. And uh, as always, a lot to talk about in this episode. My name is Ben, and I too have 84 cents in a Britney Spears tape.
1: Nice. Can I have that 84 cents?
0: we we are not having the Britney Spears tape. I'm telling you that. That's mine.
1: <laughs> My name is Brandy, and when have you ever done right by me?
0: Never. Um, <laughs> we don't do it right by any of our listeners. <laughs> we're the rebel podcast. It doesn't give a shit about anyone uh joking there we go yeah um, I'm looking forward to this episode. I'm gonna look forward to every single episode you and I both love this show so uh clearly we're gonna look forward to talking about this but uh I guess before we really get into it, I mean another pretty decent episode I'd say it is I mean,
1: I will say I was not. You were right on when you said we see one of our favorite little characters back in it. I was—I forgot about that, so I'm excited about this this kind of this plot coming up.
0: Yeah, if you're talking about who I think you are, I mean, really excited—is that the word? Uh,
1: <laughs> you said what's his name? Uh,
0: no, I'm I'm talking about a certain doctor friend of ours. Um, oh. I'm not. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about in terms of that aspect. Uh, It's kind of interesting, actually. These these next two episodes, we kind of have returns of characters who we uh, kind of have said a few things about this season. And next episode, again, we're jumping ahead. There's a return of a person I thought we didn't see again, but I completely forgot that we did see him again.
1: I know. I was going to message you. I was like, hey. But I was like, no, I'll just. (laughs) It's easy because you forget. Honestly, I forget too. Yeah. Because he's not. All I know is I want
0: candy. <laughs> uh, well, we, we sadly don't get that uh, brandy to next episode. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, uh, yeah, we're obviously here. So um, really now, uh, it's, the interesting thing I'm finding about Third Watch at this point is, of course, that, uh, I mean, it's obviously we know it's more of a serial drama rather than sort of, you know, an ongoing storyline. There are, of course, ongoing plot lines that sort of are still being covered at this point. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think that we're kind of... This is an episode where you find that Jimmy finally gets something to do, at least for some of this episode. Um, there's a few really weird parts in this episode which I, I feel just do not fit with the episode as well. But we also get the debut of one of my favourite side characters in the history of Third Watch, and that's Bosco's mum. Oh, God, I love her. Um, so... Um, yeah I think we've got a, a a few good things to talk about, and of course, I think you're referring to our beloved Malcolm uh that we get back in this episode is that who you're talking about
1: I do i love um I feel like this is one of the best plots they have
0: okay. with Malcolm yeah well I, I'm yeah. gonna say this is I'm pretty sure the last time we ever see Malcolm, although I said that about right. a certain one next episode and clearly I was wrong anyway, so uh we <laughs> start off uh this episode um with uh was it Bosco and Yoko's are in the car. Uh, Oh, they're in the car? No, they're just... They're walking. I don't think they're actually in the car yet. Um, Anyway, we find out that, obviously, it's uh, Bosco's mother's birthday, and Nicole wants to go along, and we find out that Bosco's mum's birthdays are obviously a little bit fun, because there's strippers there, and penis cakes, and, you know, it doesn't sound like any of my birthday parties, but uh, clearly I'm not 50 (laughs) yet, Um, but... Yeah, I, I kind of like this is sort of one of those subtle little things we, we often go off a third watch for they're bad with continuity. But I think there's a few things that are are sort of written here that we don't understand. And um here's one we had a couple of episodes, was it it might have even been last episode, where Yoko's mentioned about like, Oh, if Nicole gets along with your mother's friends, you marry that woman. So like it's kind of like a continuation of that little bit that we had um an episode or so ago. Uh, And I do like Bosco. They get the call over the radio that they've got to go to a a building fire. And I do love Bosco's sort of line. It's like, oh, I'm going to go help the Bucket Boys direct traffic. Um, We also then cut to Doc and Morales. They're uh, hunting for an apartment, as we've obviously uh, come to the conclusion that they love each other and want to live together. Um, I do like this uh, real estate agent. It's cosy. It's quaint. Yeah, okay, it's small. (laughs) <laughs> like she's trying to just be a typical real estate agent and oversell. And she just basically so honest. And she's like, "Yeah, right. it's so uh, it's small, and I can guarantee you that this is going to go in a heartbeat. So, do you want it or not?"
1: <laughs> I mean, anything to make a dollar, I guess, right? It's yeah. cozy. It's great. I mean, New York but, rent, right? <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. <laughs>
0: yeah, can't we all. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I I like that. Um then we basically have, uh, Sully and Davis. Oh, it's a bit of fun with them in this episode. Um, we, we are again, sort of continuing on from an episode or so ago when Davis is talking to Sully about internet dating. Uh, obviously again, this dates this episode slightly because he's Davis reading through some printouts from replies he's gotten <laughs> to dating posting. I mean, again, fast forward this nearly 20 years later to when I'm recording this podcast, I just pick my phone up right now and go on Tinder. I mean, like, do I, do I need to print these out and bring them to my partner the next day? Um, <laughs> I, and I like Sully's line there when he's, like, he's sort of going off about it and he's like, oh, I don't need you posting on the web or the inter or whatever it's called. <laughs> I love it. I
1: love it. And speaking of Tinder, like, do you swipe left? I don't even know how Tinder works. Uh, I just know just
0: about swiping left or right i don't know <laughs> swipe left to the uh entire app it's a waste of time maybe i'm just saying that from a male's perspective but um i do also okay. like davis when he's reading through the replies and he's reading the the one and he's like um uh what does he say like oh forget the pint i think she meant point <laughs> just the <one>. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> like a random little subtle thing that like I, again i don't know if that was in the script or like kobe bells just ad-libbed that but i just think that's hilarious
1: I always laugh at that, I think it's funny I also thought it was just him saying like well, she might not be the brightest but hey (laughs) you still have a chance
0: (laughs) and we also find out that Davis is single I mean this is kind of what we talked about a few episodes ago it's like one minute Davis has got a convenient place girlfriend that he can't do anything but then Sully says, oh good thing that you're single you can have her, so oh no Davis has lost that beloved girlfriend that we heard about for one episode and we don't know anything about her but oh no, not Davis, poor Davis
1: Davis be running through him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that does
0: not sound so nice. Well, do you, do you not feel that maybe like if we didn't have Jimmy, kind of this ladies' man, that Davis? I mean, the thing you don't picture Davis as a ladies' man because like, he's this nice guy, whereas Jimmy's kind of the bit of the dick guy, isn't he? Where he is that ladies' man,
1: but you kind of got to feel that Davis is a bit of a player. I can see Davis being the, if we didn't have Jimmy. I think Davis would be just fine playing that that role. Because he's a nice guy, but even nice guys... Davis has that nice guy persona, but he also, like you said, has that player persona. He, yeah. He would be the Jimmy of the episode if he... Of the show, if Jimmy wasn't there.
0: I think we've got a lot of growth on Davis in these two episodes that we're going to cover as well. So um, just, just stay tuned for that. Uh, meanwhile, the Jimmy storyline, uh, we haven't had one in a while, so we've got a, uh, a building fire in a random motel. Um, uh, Jimmy goes off at some random firefighter guy with him. Easy, cowboy. Um, I mean, look, I have to say, I've always kind of said the firefighter scenes are my least favourite because I think I was kind of watching this thinking, well, like, at least with the police and paramedics, you can kind of go into a bit of detail with their storylines. This is no disrespect to firefighters or anything like that, but I mean, what really can you go into depth with firefighters? A building's on fire, they've got to rescue someone, they can get trapped. Um, I mean this is why I feel that maybe we don't see a lot of these fire sort of episodes. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen them rescue someone. Um, I mean, we obviously next season when it's more character driven episodes plotted around them, I think that kind of even the fire based ones are generally always kind of very similar because again, there's there's not a whole lot I feel and like you might be able to correct me on this because I, I think you said you watch Chicago Fire, so there's a whole TV show around firefighters. But to me, it's kind of like, well, what more can they really do besides there's a building on fire? They've got to go in and rescue people.
1: I mean, for like, I was gonna bring up Chicago Fire. I think because you're right. When I watch when I watched Dord Watch, you get like a glimpse of the of the life. But with Chicago Fire, like they go straight up like. I mean, there's more details to it. There's more, like, the trap, but then also, like... There's a lot more, like, is it arsonist and, like, how they find out. I mean, it's... And there's also character-driven plots. And I think maybe watch a few episodes if you're up to it just to see. I mean, because it's... I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, too, because there isn't much to it. I mean, I watch Chicago Fire, but they also have paramedics on it. And they have crossovers with, like, the officers and detectives and stuff. And so, yeah.
0: It's just... Um, I mean, again, it's not... And, like, I just... I don't know what it is about the fire ones. Like, I mean, when we get to kind of these episodes where it's just all about, like, I'm, there's one, I think it might be season three, when um the whole episode is based purely on the firefighters. Um And I think it's like there's a massive factory fire and it's just basically starts off small. And, yeah, like, and like the thing is, it's like I have nothing against character Jimmy. I, I'm growing to really appreciate Jimmy more as we watch this. I actually really like the side firefighter characters of, like, DK and Walsh. Um, and Billy, and like I obviously, um, Lou, then when we get him very much so, and when we get to Taylor next season, um, I hated Taylor when she was first on it, but I've grown to really like Taylor because I think Taylor's one of the most interesting characters on this show in terms of her, her, her development and her profession because she's kind of a paramedic and a firefighter. So, I just I just think that it's it's interesting to kind of watch these to think that, yeah, there's not a whole lot really they can do with the firefighter angle. And I think maybe whereas people were very critical of Third Watch for kind of eventually turning itself into a cop show, which I think it's pretty valid point. We'll get to that when we get to really halfway through season five and into season six. But I, I think kind of they do what they can with these firefighters. And you also need to remember that Jimmy was only added to the cast at the end after being... because Eddie Cibrian was hot. They only planned this around paramedics and police. It was kind of only tacked on to the end that uh, we will have a firefighter element. So I I just remember randomly growing up when Third Watch was kind of talked about, and I don't think we've really talked about this too much, but it did got a lot of criticism that they basically ignored the firefighters. But I kind of think that, you know, yeah, I can understand it to a point if you're labelling yourself as three professions in one show... But I, I kind of think that really what they do with it is probably justified.
1: I mean, I guess I mean I will say like I feel like the firefighters it definitely added some level of a nice element to it. I mean, I love the interest like the. Uh, it's hard. I don't know. It's hard to explain because I see your side, and now I see your side. It's like there's not much you say about their scenes to be honest, because you're right. I mean, most of the times in these scenes, all you see is somebody might get trapped. Some might not come out, but they always come out, or they don't come out. Maybe I don't. But there's not much to them. In the, yeah. But I think that's what Chicago Fire does so well is like on that show. I mean, I, I'm never at bored with that. I'm always excited by that, and I think it's because like in Chicago Fire, they have scenes where like it's not just the fire itself. There's a whole element around. There's there's many factors to it, I guess. And where a third watch, they only you only get so much time to show so many scenes and so many plots. Like we've talked about how. So there's so many postures just thrown into like certain episodes that we don't think belongs there. Yeah, because I think it's because they only had so many t- so much time to like put those plots in, so they can't explain them the best.
0: Yeah. So I get what you're saying. I mean, I think it's interesting, kind of how when we get to Bobby next season, uh, when he ultimately leaves the show, that uh, yeah, Bobby Cannavale basically, uh, you know, was written out or asked to be written out. Uh, Because he had no development of Bobby. And look, we can Mm -hmm. really see that. I think we said that an episode or two ago, basically, from this point on, don't expect much from Bobby. Uh, it always surprised me that Jimmy kind of, you know, Eddie Siberian didn't leave earlier than he did because I think he kind of really is the tacked-on Bobby in the fact that, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've joked about the fact that we legitimately just have random Jimmy appearance, uh, you know, just for the sake of it. I will say, though, this episode, I think kind of this whole sequence here with the rescue and obviously we have these two kids that leads into kind of this, um, you know, situation with the police have to deal with. I think this ties in very well. Uh, and I think that kind of this is, you know, important to kind of have this fire scene at the beginning. So, um, and I think kind of what, how this will end at the end of this season with Jimmy, I think it's also, it's a good way of, of doing it with his character. Um, so yeah, I mean, lots to say with the firefighters, Jimmy. We're getting well ahead of ourselves. I will say, I know that there's one episode in season six where basically the firefighters are so obsolete in this show. Um, there's just, there's this storyline that is just so terribly bad. it's just just literally the writers have sat around and gone, fuck, we haven't talked about the Firefighters in about 18 episodes, shit let's come up with this one and have like random character who we're meant to care about who we don't actually know two shits about because we've only seen him for like 5 seconds Um, and this is when like also sadly they kind of really forget about the paramedics too but uh, we'll get to that, we're we're a long way away from that, but um, anyway. I
1: will say I do do love Taylor and she was awkward at first when I when she first came on to the show, season, one of the seasons, when she first came on, she was awkward at first, and I didn't know what to think of her, but then over time I fell in love. So, I mean, I think that's going to also, like, revive the fire scenes for a bit, like, kind of bring some more life to them as well. But, yeah, for now, they're kind of, like, not dense, but they're just, I get what you they're not as, you kind of wonder, like, why are they there?
0: Yeah, so. and I, I can't wait till we get to Taylor, because as I said, like, yeah. she kind of, was one that I just did not like. I could not stand her at first. But, um, yeah, she comes in the second episode in the second season, so we're very close to meeting our first new major character. Um, and, and one thing also I should kind of point out, too, that I will say with the firefighters, though, and obviously we're still a little bit away from this, but I, it's going to be very interesting when we get to these episodes, obviously the way with Third Watch dealt with uh, 9-11. And uh, that, that's when the firefighters obviously came really full front and centre of this show um because obviously we know with everything to 9-11 it was really fdmy that kind of was a, a lot of the focus of that rescue I'm not saying the mypd weren't involved um but i mean obviously it was a lot more of fitney over mypd so um i definitely think that's when they shine on this show um and obviously uh yeah we'll we'll get to that a little bit more uh still a little bit away from that because we're still here and we've barely even talked about this episode but anyway we're getting through it um one thing that I noted, which is always a thing, it's kind of like that trope of TV shows. Do you ever notice that, like, whenever the emergency services show up to a burning building, that's when the people start running out the door? It's like if I'm in a if, I, if I'm in a building and it's burning, I'm not chilling, waiting for hear the sirens. Oh fuck, I better not go outside until I hear some sirens. Oh, whew, whew, whew. okay, outside we go now, folks. Safe now. It's like fucking run out in the streets already. What are you doing? Um, but, yeah, we obviously see this motel is on fire and, uh, we see, um, this epic scene of explosions. It's like randomly, let's throw in some explosions for, because we got a bit of extra money this week from NBC. So we're gonna use our budget. Um, but I mean, look, it is, it's actually quite cool. I think the difference between the explosions we get in season one, they're very few and far between these sort of chase sequences and explosions. Whereas when we get to like season six, Uh, That's what I'm critical of season six. Like, every episode, they try to put in a big explosion just because (laughs) they knew they were waning in terms of the quality. So it's like, we're going to get viewers in by blowing shit up. Um, Yeah, I don't know if you've got much to say on this fire, and I know I kind of just waffled on a little bit about it and tangents. No, I just want to
1: be as strong as Jimmy, who I can pick people up i don't know i just was like i wish i was that sh-. that was the first only thought that came to me in this scene was like i wish i was that strong i wish i could, I could like pick up people like that
0: yeah <laughs> I well I I mean, look, I can, Brandy, I don't know about you, but
1: uh, one thing... I can't, it (laughs) depends.
0: Yeah, one thing, though, that I will uh, definitely give them props for, and I mean, look, I'm no firefighter, I, I don't know how, I mean, for all I know, I could be speaking out of my ass here and it could be completely fake, but at least the way it's portrayed on screen, it comes across as very realistic. Like, there's a scene there when they go into the building and they put, like, what do they put over their head before they put the helmet back on and the mask and the way they're, like, crawling on the floor, like... I, I think kind of obviously the technical advisors that are involved, and we obviously know that they we, we had, I've talked about DK and Walsh before, that they were actually Fidney firefighters. They weren't just actors who became firefighters. They were firefighters who became actors. And again, you can't tell because they're actually pretty decent actors. Um But yeah, I think that uh, obviously the technical support on this show to kind of make these fire scenes realistic... Um, again, I, I, I could be completely wrong. This could be not how real firefighters go about their jobs in New York, but from a complete casual observer, to me, it looks very realistic, and I believe that they're fi At this point, I'm watching firefighters in a building. I don't think I'm watching actors pretend to be firefighters.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. It might be one of those, like, smoke-controlled, uh... You know, like, when they... Firefighters do training, like, they do yeah. these really smoke. There's actually fires and stuff. Maybe they do one of those. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised where they had, like, a controlled fire where they did a scene or who knows. And they can get
0: away. I guess the, the positive, too, about firefighters when they're filming this is that they don't really need to put Eddie Sibrian in that. They just basically can put a stunt double or an actual firefighter going through this building and then just double over a muffled Jimmy voice going, Come on, guys, let's get out of here! So, um... Yeah, and like, um, and as you were saying, yeah, like, I wouldn't doubt. Me, I wouldn't also probably put it past the fact the reason why they didn't do a lot of fire scenes is because I can imagine that they would be the most difficult to do. Whereas, you know, like, you can easily do a, a cop or a paramedic scene, fairly simple, um, unless you're doing sort of a chase or something, you know, big over the top. But for fires, yeah, you've got to kind of set a building on fire. And, and as we know with with Third Watch, this wasn't filmed on set. This was filmed legitimately in New York. New York City was the set. So, I mean, there's only so many abandoned buildings they can probably find or buildings they can go up to in New York and go, Hi, we're from a TV show. Can we set half of your building on fire for a scene? Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't doubt that there's lots of different ways or means about it. So, um, yeah, anyway. It might have been
1: like a place where they go to, because I know like um, Chicago Fire, they show like this scene where like they actually, when one of the paramedics, she's a female, goes to like be a firefighter, they have these testing, like, at certain stations where firefighters actually test go. They actually, like, it's a certain, I don't know where, I don't think it's at the fire station, but there's, like, a certain place they go to where they have buildings they always set on fire or something yeah. like well, that. Well, there
0: is, of course, an a episode in Third Watch, um, which I actually, if I'm not mistaken, might actually be Jimmy's last episode, where it starts off and we believe they're in a fire, but then, obviously, we hear the, the bell go off and we realize that they're actually in a training facility.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure that's Jimmy's last episode in season five. So just semi spoiler. Um but yeah, Jimmy obviously sticks around till season five, so that's kind of a weird spoiler, but not a weird spoiler. Um just before we kinda of get the fire scene, I just I should have really lumped this in before with Sally and Davis. But I do like this scene when Davis is on the payphone and he's like, uh uh yes, uh I'm uh, just uh replying to your email. Uh I get off at eleven, meet me here tonight. Goodbye. Um and then like Sally's like, Davis, Davis, what are you doing? Oh you know, I'll take you around to Battery City and shoot you or something like that. <laughs> I just, I just, and I love Sully, uh, Davis' impersonation of Sully. And what does he refer to him as? A law enforcement official? Um, yeah. Yep. It's just, it's. I love it. I just wanted to point that out randomly if you got anything to say on that scene. No, not much.
1: I mean, I don't want to spoil it. Because I, f- I feel like Davis was nice, but I feel, ah, I feel kind of bad for Sully. Oh, anyway, I can't wait
0: to get to right. that scene, believe me. Yeah, yeah,
1: that sounds like, I don't want to spoil it too much. <laughs> I don't want
0: to <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, so basically out of this fire, um, we have two kids out the front who are saying that their mother's inside. Jimmy finds uh, the mother. She's in a bath um, and basically take her out. And then from here, uh, the boys are obviously upset. They don't want their mother to die. Um, and then uh, one of the boys, the older boy, uh, runs away um, and gets away from Jokus. Meanwhile, they have this little boy who obviously Bosco kind of takes um under his wing, slightly, but we'll get to that. Meanwhile, we uh, see Doc and Carlos, and uh, Doc—they're waiting outside Vanjie's apartment. Um, obviously, Vanjie's pregnant, as we discovered an episode ago, and Carlos was a little bit of a dick about it. Uh, but here he is now, uh, waiting to see Vanjie, um, and then Carlos is kind of this is this is Carlos's way of, I guess, trying to deal with the situation. This is, I think. People need to pay attention to how Carlos deals with this because this is very Carlos. Like, we know Carlos starting to really be portrayed as very self-centred. I think we're kind of really getting that element of his character that we we didn't necessarily get a lot early on as he was a rookie, but as he's kind of, you know, coming more into this about him wanting to be a a doctor and kind of... This is really, I think, where they push Carlos basically from here until around about, I'd say, the the fourth or so season uh, and then sort of fifth, sixth season. He kind of changes slightly it's kind of interesting uh how uh was it darville last week mentioned about how um doc's kind of character turns uh in terms of that speech that he gave uh, morales um yeah. whereas yeah I, I kind of i was thinking about this actually how carlos almost turns into like this calm sort of doc character by the end of third watch it's kind of interesting how they they start off, but then how they turn out by the end of it. So, just keep an eye because, like, from this point on, really, like, we talked about how Bobby basically is empty from this point on, nothing Bobby. Carlos becomes so much fun at this point because we really start to get dick Carlos. And, and like, I can see why a lot of people probably don't like Carlos for a lot of the time in Third Watch, but I think kind of just knowing how he turns out, he, he became a really endearing character. And, like, kind of what we've kind of compared Carlos to Bosco, how Bosco's, like, this sort of bigoted cop- but he's kind of, he does it for the right reasons in many ways. Um, Carlos is really a self centered dick, but like it also comes down to the fact that his upbringing and he has his look on life that you kind of understand why he would have this outlook on life. So, this is Carlos's way of dealing uh, with this pregnancy is basically saying to Vanjie... Uh, we've got options here, and he's basically uh, what is what is her reaction? Is what are you going to give me a hundred dollars and drive me to the abortion clinic? And he's just basically like, yeah. Like, I mean, there's 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 a nicer way of handling that situation, of course. But this is Carlos, so I mean, you got to analyze this. He's kind of he he thinks he's doing the right thing, and I guess. In a way, he's trying to talk about the options here. He's just doing it in the completely wrong way. He should be sitting down and having a conversation about potential options rather than just saying, yeah, let's go get rid of it.
1: I mean, I kind of feel for Carlos, though. I mean, and again, I guess this is like, I again, like, when I first watched the show, I didn't really care for him as much. And then, like, over the years, like, the more what I've been through and, like, experience and, like, looking back, I, re- like, I related to him more. And I kind of feel for him, like, for me, I, I see a desperation of, like, this guy who came from nothing, like, foster homes, and he's just trying to build something because he had nothing. And when something, like, something can devastate that, I see where he's just desperate enough to work. He's not thinking clearly. He's just like, I need this to go away. Anyway, <laughs> any way I can go away, I need to go away. You know, and I see, I see that side of him now. You know, I didn't see it then, but now that I'm older and, like, i you know experienced life more, I definitely see the desperation there. Yeah. Where it's just like, I, I want things. I never had anything, so I'm not going to feel bad, you know? And I, anything that threatens it, even though he's not handling it right, anything that threatens it, he's just like, it needs to go away.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And I think that's kind of, it's, it's, it's more understandable. Like, as you were saying, when you watch this show more, um, but I mean, I can definitely understand if people are watching for the first time, how you are just like, Oh, fuck you, Carlos, you selfish. Um, but I I do like, like Vangie says that line, what she say, like, um, hurt me now, miss me later kind of like oh what's gonna happen here anyway so we uh we cut back to the hospital we learn that uh this the mother has uh 40 percent of third degree burns all over her body uh terrible of course and um we then get uh was it morales saying to like bosco and that saying like oh you should get the detectives on this uh you know she had other injuries on her body and I'm, i'm like am i the only one thinking here like Okay, Captain Obvious Morales, we've just literally had this building, like, burned down like this, as if they're not going to have detectives on this already. This is a motel. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, Morales, you're a doctor, just stick to doing doctor things right now. I think the cops know what to do here. That would be like if Bosco started saying, Oh, I think you need to, you know, put a tube in his chest and, you know, give him the following things. It's like, well, okay, I'm sure she's going to do that. Um, but then we... Who do we get the return of here, uh, Brandy? It's been a few episodes since uh, the most pointless character in all Third Watch history. It's Dana! She's back!
1: Dana! Dana. Um, yes! I legitimately I
0: mean, had to blink and think, oh, fuck, it's Dana. <laughs> like, oh, my God.
1: I mean, it's good to see her. I mean... Is she, it? No one... <laughs> it's good to see her. I mean, I don't know. I mean... She doesn't only really get the most welcome... She's not welcomed anywhere, I've noticed. Like, well, since, the, she's poor old Bobby
0: broke her heart. She's just become, like, complete background not, material. For this next scene, she's
1: not even welcomed by the little boy. I mean, even you don't want her around. <laughs>
0: the, thing, the thing is, like, like all jokes aside, mm. she started off as, like, this love interest for Bobby and we're thinking, that, like, oh, okay, he's our side nurse. But then, like, mm-hmm. she's just gone. Like, we don't... We She just disappears. I mean, we get, um... There's a there's a nurse. Is it Holly? Nurse Holly that kind of becomes a nurse uh, in a season or two, um, and she's kind of the 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 future side character nurse who is there for a very long time. I, I think from memory, she's actually there basically for the rest of the season. ER nurse. Oh no, hang on, that's a different one. There, I'm going to find her name because I remember there's a there's a scene where Jocas and her have a confrontation and. Like, that, to me, is what Dana should have been. She should have been there for the whole thing and kind of always been just your your go-to nurse.
1: But she just Sometimes disappears. I Sometimes I wonder if, like, somebody knew her and was like, hey, do you want this extra, like, role on the show? Or, you know, because I know, was, like, certain shows would do that, like, where they have some an extra role and, like, somebody knows somebody close enough to them, they might put them in a role. I don't know. Mm. Sometimes I want... I don't know. I could be... Th- I'm sure I'm wrong,
0: but... The one I'm thinking of, just interrupt you and myself here, uh, it's Mary, Nurse Mary, Mary Proctor. Um, So she actually first makes an appearance uh, in the very first season of season one, uh, and then... uh, Season two, sorry. And then she's basically in it all the way through uh, to season six. So we'll... But special note to because we're obviously only a few episodes away from episode one of season two. But she, I think she's kind of brought in to me as the Dana from that point. She's actually in it for 38 episodes here, according to IMDb. Whereas dear old, beloved Dana, uh, she basically uh, will say her farewell. Um, Jesus Christ, she lasts till episode 20 of season two. Really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Actually, she's in the... Uh, okay, I can't really say that without spoiling it, but it's kind of poignant that she's in a certain episode farewelling another character. So um, maybe those two leave together. But uh, anyway. Um, interesting. I didn't realise Dana lasted long. Anyway, so Dane is here. Whoop-dee-doo. Um, well, Bos- oh, wow. I,
1: yeah, I can't say much. Yeah,
0: Bosco, he's-, Bosco um, he's brought in to talk to the little boy. Um, he's wanting his brother and basically he gets his shirt to get checked on and we see all these bruises all over his body um, and he says it's his father who did it. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Meanwhile, we cut back to the ambulance because the uh, the kid's mother with all the burns over her body is missing a watch apparently. Morales has pointed out that she's um, got no watch and it obviously was on her body because there's uh, burn marks around it. Um, and as Bobby and Kim are searching the bus, uh, I know it was my opening line, but I do love how, like, Kim's, like, found anything. It's like, oh, 84 cents and a Britney Spears tape. Oh, I'll take the 84 cents. I'm like, fuck you. What's wrong with the Britney Spears tape? And meanwhile, also, it's the year 2000. I- Why are they
1: talking about cassettes? I have no idea. I've noticed that, because, like, in one scene when Doc grabs a cassette, I'm like, What? What is going on? Like, I was so confused by that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was... But, I mean... Yeah. It's I weird. don't know. It's,
0: it's weird to think that kind of... They were still trying to pawn this off.
1: This is... Maybe... Was, I was going to say, maybe it was one of those, like... You know how, like, people buy, like, records now? Like, vinyl yeah. records to go back. Maybe it was one of those moments where, like, people, like, in that age group bracket or whatever was, like, kind of, like, reminiscing. May- maybe. maybe.
0: But, I, mean, I had this... Uh, I remember I had this top... Uh, conversation with a musician not too long ago where I, you were mentioning about the whole vinyl revival thing I said like how come like vinyl has this revival CDs are kind of on their way out because of the whole digital And uh, but to me you know there are still people who are very strong advocates for the CD I'm one of them um, but it's like nobody ever defends the cassette <laughs> like there's never, to me, a cassette revival. You know what I mean. So it's kind of the poor, forgotten medium of listening to music, except in the Universal Third Watch season one.
1: <laughs> I was recently looking at buying a VCR. It's been a while. I was because like my uh, there's a we have a lobby in the place I stay in, and they have like a lot of V VJ, uh, VHS. Because, like, for the older residents, they still have these VCRs. And I'm like, hey, you know what? It'd be cool to, like, have a VCR and just watch everything, I don't know, old school.
0: I um, yeah. I hold on to my VCR, but uh, I actually, because I was one of these people like, no, I'll never get rid of that because I've got videos that you can't get on DVD now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I basically only recently looked at it and gone, uh, I haven't touched that in about four years, so I think it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the beloved VHS. Anyway, uh, this is my problem with this episode, though, is this situation that happens here, because they're trying to find this watch. They're trying to see where it is. But for some reason, Bobby finds the way that he has to accuse Jimmy. And, like, Kim's kind of like, who are you trying to hurt here, me or him? Uh, And then, you know, Bobby's excuse is, well, you know, he was pillaging Joey's college fund. You know, how far is that away from, you know, stealing from a woman to pay his gambling debts? I just don't get why this needs to be a thing. It's like it's never implied that Jimmy could be like go this far and like okay, I understand Bobby's point to an extent when he says like he was trying to steal from Joey's college fund to pay off his gambling debts, but I think we've already seen the closing of the Jimmy gambling storyline and it it's done. We don't ever get any more of Jimmy having gambling issues. I mean, again, I'm probably wrong. In two episodes time, we're going to see him in Vegas, considering I forget the Candyman comes back in an episode. But, like, yeah, I'm 99% sure that Jimmy's gambling issues are done. So, like, if they had brought this in an episode maybe five episodes ago when he's still trying to find money to pay off, I would be fine with it. I think, okay, legitimately, he's a desperate man. But at this point, like, like, where, where does this come from? Because, like, this makes Kim sort of question Jimmy... And then we kind of get this scene at the end where Kim's loosely apologising, even though he, she never flat out accuses. Because Jimmy, I don't think, has any clue that she's accusing him. And like, this is just this weird Bobby centric moment where it's like, let's find something for Bobby to do because Bobby's just doing nothing at this point.
1: Yes, um, I just to be
0: honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're the same too because this just doesn't fit with any of the storyline. And I've never only picked it up until now, and it's like. Don't like here. I am defending Jimmy. Don't paint Jimmy as a thief. When do we ever assume Jimmy's a thief? So yeah, I don't like this storyline. It just feels very
1: forced. It definitely pissed me off. Like at Bob. Like well, it was you know. But it was the first time I was was like, I don't like Bobby's character right now (laughs) because it it was just like it was a big jump.
0: Anyway, so from here, uh, we kind of go to children's services. We meet Detective Kaiser, who I'm pretty sure does make a few appearances, but not that much. So don't get too attached to her. Don't get all Dana on her or anything like that. Um, And we kind of learn a little bit about what could happen to these, uh, what's been happening to this younger boy, obviously the older brother has still done a runner and they're obviously uh still blaming all of this on the father so bosco and yokus want to bring in the father here because uh you know they're obviously angry that this dad is allegedly hurting these kids um we then get um back in the hospital davis and sully a random dana appearance again dana knows sully Ooh, um and we find out there's an assault victim who's asking for davis who is it it's uh, Malcolm's sister and Malcolm's sister's friend. Is it Tisha is um, the it's, the friend?
1: I think it's Tisha. I don't remember. I think
0: I've written here Tisha, so I think it might be. But uh, this is kind of like a weird little continuity factor. We hear that Sunder Walker, of course, uh, earlier on we assume was going to kill Malcolm. Uh, this is kind of where I will have a bit of a question about this storyline. But uh, obviously, Sunder Walker beat up uh, Malcolm's sister... Malcolm was there, saw it, and apparently Malcolm has a gun and is seeking revenge on Sunder Walker. Now, yep. here's the question for you, Brandy. We had that episode where obviously they, um, where Davis protected Malcolm from this, you know, trying to get into a Knicks game basically to get him away from that, and then we kind of got this storyline of Malcolm was scared for his life because Sunder will know that uh, he wasn't there, so he's going to assume he's the snitch. Now we've got this scene where Malcolm doesn't give a shit about being scared about him because he's going to get a gun and go after him himself. So what have we missed here in between the last time we assumed Sunder was going to go after Malcolm to Malcolm's brave enough to get a gun to go after him? I I kind of, like, clearly understand there's been probably about 12 episodes since that storyline, but it still kind of seems a little bit weird, like, watching this as closely as we have to kind of see a gaping plot hole here in terms of how this is kind of switched from one side to the other.
1: I don't know, because, like, we, it was never closed down. We, we talked about that. Yeah. And, and it's, I forgot this comes back. I really did so forget did about this. And then here now it's like, oh, well, I guess he's with... What's his name? Sky
0: Thunder? Thunder? Thunder or, or Sundle or... Let's call him Mr. Walker.
1: The, Mr. Walker. <laughs> there we go. Basically, I guess he's with Malcolm's sister. And, I mean i guess maybe that saved malcolm from the beating or whatever it was maybe, but yeah i mean i do know like yeah i'm with malcolm you touch my family i'm a cuz i'm coming <laughs> not cuz but the head side's coming like i'm coming after you yeah <laughs> so i get it i
0: mean i, I mean i can I, it's it Sunder by the way s-u-n-d-e-r Sunder walker sorry. um Yeah, like, it it definitely, to me, uh, I agree with that, Uh, and I I think that's a logical way of explaining it. I think, you you know, that's a good way of explaining it, and maybe when I say it's a gaping plot hole, it's not necessarily that big, because I guess you can probably explain it that way, but I guess the issue here is that we don't get it explained that way, and it's left to interpretation. Exactly. And and I understand that all storylines can't be completely 100% bulletproof in fact. And there are definitely things that are open left to interpretation. And again, kind of as we've said here with Third Watch, that maybe you can give it a slight pass in terms of the continuity because unlike other shows that we cover here on the Oz Network, such as Nip Tuck and obviously come, coming soon, Lost is that their show's kind of done in a time when binge-watching was a thing. Shows were being released on DVD, you know, so, you know, consistent storylines are kind of more coherent and kind of what we've got in 2017 is that it's rare to even have a serial anymore. It's all about shows that are connected because, you know, they can't get away with plot holes now because people are going to binge-watch them on Netflix and things like that. So, I guess at the time of this, you know, 99-2000, it's a weekly network show. This wasn't getting released on DVD or VHS. People are just assumed to watch this week per week. So, if it is a 12-week gap between when we did last uh, hear this storyline, unless you're the most avid fan of this show and can remember everything, they're obviously going to assume the audience is going to not remember the whole, you know, uh, complete backstory of this situation. They're just going to be like, oh, I remember that Malcolm kid. So... Yeah, that's I guess where you can kind of maybe give it a loose pass. Um, there are definitely some things in third watch which I don't think you can give a pass, particularly when we get to Doc's wife's name in season six. Um, but um, just,
1: just we also hold like third watch to like high regard. Like we put we put it on a pedestal. This is our show, so we're gonna like. Yeah. You are going to go at it, you know? Yeah. And we, need to, we,
0: need, we need to be critical. We need to nitpick at certain things. Yeah. It's a show that, you yeah. know, we love so much. I think we, we can't completely let it get by. Um, but anyway, that's just a little random thing. We uh, obviously go back to Yokoz and Bosco quickly. Uh, Bosco uh, has this conversation about where was child services in this situation. Yokoz uh, is saying you're getting real hung up on this little one. And kind of Yokoz sort of explains the way out of it, sort of saying about how, you know, how did the teachers not notice this because you know they've got so many kids and all this sort of stuff it's just a nice little conversation um and then we get uh bobby and- oh this is where we find Vanji. bobby and kim show up to the apartment i shouldn't laugh at this i mean this is a suicide attempt but like it's just <laughs> vanji has gone out of the way to kind of seek attention and obviously she's done this to try and get carlos to see her no doubt um I do like the soundtrack in the background. I hate you so much right now. I hate you so much right now. Remember that song? Um, and oh. I do. I like uh, Bobby's line when it's, when Kim's like, "What is this?" and and he's like, "Oh, it looks like a performance at the Met." Um, so. Children's, I mean,
1: I I know you you said we shouldn't laugh, but I laughed too, like because like you walk in, and you're not thinking Van You think I mean. Ooh, you really see how crazy she is though. I mean yeah. we know she's crazy but this is like this is like I don't know if anybody needed confirmation like how crazy she is, this is confirmation like how crazy she actually
0: is. Yeah, completely agree. I completely agree. I think that definitely it's um I actually think the whole Vanji storyline is something that is I think kinda of going back to we're saying about Carlos and development of his character without spoiling anything, this whole situation with Vanjie, I think is a turning point for Carlos alongside him eventually getting connected with his family or the whole storyline around that.
1: But yeah, yeah.
0: I can't really say too much in terms of her and what will happen with this. Um, cause you know, we'll get a bit more in the next episode, but I mean, by saying what I want to say, it's going to completely spoil it. But, um, oh, yeah, it's, uh, I think kind of a lot of people can read between the lines of what I'm saying, particularly when we get to the next episode. But, um, yeah, we obviously then get back a little scene of, uh, Davis and Sully arresting Sunder Walker, who's getting a haircut. Uh, I do like Sully's little line there when he's like, oh, you're all thinking I'm on Sunder's turf and I'm the man. Well, you're on Sully's turf now. <laughs> like, I love ballsy Sully. Like, I don't think we give enough credit for Sully. He just stands up. He doesn't give a shit. He's been you know on the beat for 30-odd years. He's seen it all. Why would he be scared? You know. So uh, I do like just his lie there. You're on Sully's turf now. Um, and then uh, the thing that I question here is when like Sunder's like, going off, And he's like, you know, saying like, oh, you know what, Malcolm's got a piece, Malcolm can come after me. Well, my boys have got pieces too. It's like, well, do you really want to say that in front of a cop? Can't like Sully and Davis right now go, oh, so they've got guns, do we? Search time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you have a warrant for them? I don't know how the laws work, Brandy. You might be able to enlighten me a little bit if that's uh, something that we can do or not. But I just would assume that you're kind of running your mouth off there, Sunder, and you might get yourself into a bit
1: more trouble. I would think so. I mean, I don't – I mean, I'm not sure how it works either, but, I mean, like, I've known people to fight cops, and I, they had their homies around. I don't know. I It's interesting. <laughs> you would think that, like, okay, search time. All you guys against the wall. We're going to search all you guys. Yeah.
0: I don't know the I, legalities of that. Like, I don't know if you're allowed to just stop and frisk or what you were allowed to do. But, I mean, like – I, as somebody is well, an outsider, that, from no, what no. I would gather, that gives you probable cause. I if think somebody so. somebody's literally saying, my boys have guns, like, okay, well, you've just told me something interesting. We've got to get yeah. the guns off them.
1: I think so, because at that point, you're threatened, and I think you have a yeah. right. I mean, if you just came in, it was just him, you don't have a right, I, I believe. But once he says that, I think you should have a right. We're like, okay, we're just to be safe. We're checking everyone in this house, or we're checking everyone in this place, you know? And Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Just another little thing we're just randomly nitpicking at here. <laughs> we got to, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I feel we do. Uh, I like
1: this. No, <laughs> you like what? This next scene coming up with Paper and Bosco.
0: Oh right, right. Yeah, with the the dad under the car. Huh? It's it's kind of interesting how this is done, isn't it? Because. I mean, this whole point—we're obviously assuming that um, you know the dad is a bastard and he's <coughs> beating the kids, and like we kind of obviously don't really get anything to change our mind in this, do we? Because like he's under the car and he's just basically uh, you know being a complete dick to the officers. So uh, by absolutely um, no way here do we have any doubt to question the motives of the of the kid. Or kind of, um, you know, what what on earth would be happening here in terms of going on behind the scenes. So we have um, a little bit of a fight as well. I love, you know, badass Yocus pulls out the nightstick and takes down his knee. Uh, but I do kind of, like, think this is... I don't know if this is just a dick cop move or it's just something that I'm just nitpicking at for nitpick's sake. But uh, when she, like, knocks out his knee and he falls down and then they're like, get up! <laughs> it's like... He's just had his knee taken out from him. <laughs> like, I know if I'm getting my knee whacked like that, I'm not getting up. I'm in pain. But again, I don't know if I'm just being, if they're just deliberately being dicks. That's like it's meant to be that way because they're treating him badly or, but they're not really treating him badly. I don't even really want to say that because I mean, he
1: came at them too. So yeah. Well, he saw her be where like, I ain't going nowhere, bitch. I think he-, doesn't that- he said, I'm not going nowhere, bitch or something like that. And that's when it happened and. He's, they're like, get up. Like, I would have been like, get up.
0: <laughs> just to, like, and then I like I, that random guy who just walks in. He doesn't even do anything. You know, and He's just like, you got a problem? <laughs>
1: he's like, nah.
0: nah. Nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> who actually ever answers yes to that situation? Like, if I'm walking down the street and like, I eyeball someone and they're one of those people like, what are you looking at? You got a problem? Am I really going to turn around and go, yeah, I do have what? a problem.
1: You're an asshole. <laughs> it's just, it's just, well, I mean, there have been but it's the same like when you uh, watch movies when somebody's like and the, somebody breaks in right and the person comes home they're like um is somebody here like somebody's get, like the bad guy's going an to answer like yeah i'm here i'm right here <laughs> i'm going to kill you
0: it is you made a very good point there there are these questions and they're not just movie tv things it's just real life questions you actually analyze what you're asking or what you're saying like the one i used to do with my ex like we'd have dinner we'd get it on the table we'd sit down and she'd go oh i hope this is nice I turn around and go, I don't. I hope it's shit. Well, <laughs> like, like you get there and go, oh, I hope the chicken's cooked. I'm like, I don't. I hope it's raw. I want salmonella. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like there are these real obvious things that people kind of say where it's like. What is your actual answer expected to be? Like, I am a trained journalist. I'm the type of person who's watching an interview. If we're, like, looking at this fire from earlier before, you've got a journalist who goes up to, like, somebody who's, like, I don't know, parents died. Let's be, let's say that. Interviews these kids and asks the question, how do you feel? Like, I mean. Oh I'm my God. Fucking fantastic. I hated my parents. I'm so glad they burnt to death. I've never been happier.
1: <laughs> Man, I like. Your favourite one, Ben. What's your PIN number?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't. Don't.
1: But, like, I mean, I will say, though, having
0: been on that side of things, I've legitimately had to go into interviews where you kind of have to do that because, like, you've got no other leading way of getting them to openly talk about their feelings to get quotes for your story. So it's kind of, it's an interesting thing that I can feel like I can rip shit into people for saying stuff like that. But at the same time, like, I can see why you have to do it. But yeah. having said what you just said, there's no fucking excuse for PIN number, all right? <laughs> there is no excuse for PIN number. That is just
1: stupid. What well, can you take me to the ATM machine? <laughs> no, I can take you to the ATM. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Anyway, um, so when we... Speaking of things that are frustrating, uh, we get Kim and Jimmy because apparently this whole plotline of, all maybe Jimmy's a thief needs to be explored a little bit more by Kim subtly questioning Jimmy. Uh, I do love, though, this is like one of my favourite Jimmy scenes we've ever had here, sarcastic dick Jimmy. The way Kim's just like, hey, you, hey, yourself. And then when Kim's just <laughs> trying to be so subtle, like, yeah, so the cops are like gonna, you know, there was a watch missing. And Jimmy's like, yeah. And it's like, oh, so the cops are going to be questioning and trying to find it. And Jimmy's just like, that's what cops do. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. I do. I do like dick Jimmy here. Uh, back to the hospital. Morales. Morales. Morales uh, sees Carlos. Uh, Vangie is in uh, the hospital. Um, and then Morales saying that she tried to kill herself with, uh, what, cold medicine and out-of-date vitamins. Yeah. Um, and then she's going to be on a 72 hour watch. A bit of a dick Carlos here to Morales. Like, I offered to end the pregnancy. Um, so. Oh, I mean, what, what does Morales say? Oh, she's been spitting fire about you. I do like that line. Um, meanwhile, we go back to Davis and Sully. They're driving around. They're basically saying somebody is going to get shot today. Uh, and Davis obviously just going into a bit of a background how we can kind of sympathise with Malcolm about sort of how, uh, I guess what, like black kids, I guess, sort of feel that they need to stand up for themselves because they feel the cops aren't there out there looking, looking, you know, for them, I guess. Um, I mean, it's an interesting little scene. I think it's kind of a nice little side explanation about, you know, from an observing, you know, observation point, me, here I am, just standard white australian guy never having to deal with this kind of lifestyle i'm of course going to be thinking like oh well sh- you know why would malcolm be so stupid to get a gun and go after someone and solve this but again i i can't relate to what malcolm's going through in that situation so i think it's kind of it's important for davis to kind of give us a bit of explanation there for someone like me who might not understand why a little kid would go and get a gun and just try and shoot someone
1: well yeah and then it's also like it's just the two of you i mean yeah yeah I mean, it's just the two of them. So, I mean, you're definitely going to, you're like super, I don't know. I mean, there's so many factors into that. I mean, I was that person, like, when I was younger, like, growing up and, like, with friends and that aspect. I mean, if anybody, like, I was, I always got the phone call, like, if somebody hurt one of their homies, you go back up that person. That's your family. No questions asked. You just go back up that person, you know. And now that I'm older. I, I would handle things definitely for sure. I'm not so quick to be like, yeah, violence. I'm going to go in this person's life. I'm not so quick to be like that, but yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, mean. Um, I mean, I'm not one for these sort of like um, little dialogue scenes. I know I've kind of spoken off them, about them before, but I, I think this one's important uh, kind of when we get to that. Um, we also, I'm just going to go through a lot of these scenes quickly. Cause uh, you know, some of these kind of lead up to the conclusions and we're already going long on this episode, but um, Kim and Bobby, uh, the older brother is found in this shop, uh, not breathing, and they discover this is the kid from before, the older brother. Um, meanwhile, we go back to Doc and Carlos. Um, you know, Doc basically saying, oh, you know, we're not teaming up on you, Morales and I, and Doc's uh, Carlos is like, well, it feels like you are. And I do love Carlos's line. I was only going to open with this one as my quote. Uh, the girl is full short of a six-pack. Um, and <laughs> this is kind of what you were saying before. This is sort of the scene where, Carlos is essentially explaining it. Is that look, I'm 22, you know, I'm wanting to be a doctor. I've got things that I want to do. You know, I, I grew up poor. I'm not going to, you know, make excuses for wanting things in life. And again, I think on a first viewing of this, yeah, you're going to think like, God, you're a selfish little prick. But like, I think again, kind of, it takes multiple watches to appreciate Carlos. And I think that, again, kind of comparing it to Bosco where, you know, Bosco is like this bigot who kind of goes about things the wrong way sometimes, but really has this kind heart. And he's generally doing it for the right reasons. You're kind of seeing Carlos as the opposite—that he's being selfish and doing things for the wrong reasons. Like, I'm not giving—he's being so selfish, you would say. But again, I think you kind of pointed it out well—that like you—you got, you got to understand where he's coming from here. And I, I kind of think that knowing what we know about Carlos and how he turns out, like, I think this is a valid explanation. Again, I think it's just his delivery. Of course, is the way he says things. He kind of puts his foot in his mouth a little bit. But I I still think you can relate to Carlos a little bit here with what he's trying to say. And obviously, he's sort of comparison here with with Doc, where it's just basically like, you know, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Um, it's, it's, It's interesting, like, we kind of are starting to get this little ongoing thing with Doc and Carlos, aren't we? Where they have conflict, Carlos will, you know, Doc will speak his mind, Carlos will speak his mind, and then we always get the concluding scene of Doc questioning what Carlos has said to him, whether or not he was right or not. So... It's. I find that fascinating how that kind of is an ongoing trope here with this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I know you touched on it previously before. But I mean, I personally think Carlos has got a bit of a point here.
1: I do too, and I mean, again, I mean, I like how he, what he said about Doc. Like, compared to Carlos, he did because, like, I have a sister who got adopted as well, and uh, her adoption worked out, and she grew up fine, and like we were so different because we had different lifestyles it's like in a way it's like a Doc and Carlos relationship because I tell them like well you grew up not wanting or not needing something like you have a choice to have to help me anything that happens it's on me you know and it's interesting to see that now like it just hit me now like the connection between Doc and Carlos between me and my sister yeah like I don't feel bad she's also called me like well dang like hopefully you're not all going to be about money or certain things when you get, you know, when you get successful. And I'm like, well, it's not about that. It's just I didn't have anything, so I'm not going to feel bad for wanting this or wanting that. And we've literally had those conversations. So, like, again, like, I think from life experience and, like, looking back and growing up, now I, I really truly understand where Carlos is from because I had that in me. <laughs> so one, yeah,
0: one th- yeah, for sure. And one thing I think we should really give props to Anthony Reeve of, uh, with the character of Carlos is that we we first meet Carlos, he's kind of this real like naive rookie who's kind of we're we're seeing it through his eyes and everything. Is you know him and Davis are in the similar aspects. But I think the thing that we kind of get different with Carlos as a character is, like, while we're kind of getting this real development with Davis, and I, I think they really do make it full circle with him this episode, next episode, and even the finale of this season, it's about him being a rookie and learning this job and really starting to kind of become a man of his own. And, and Davis is kind of the character that I feel he's growing up by being a cop, because he still lives with his mum, you know, he's obviously had, you know, the tragedy with his dad. And, like, he's kind of seems to me like he's very sheltered in terms of he's outside of what he does. And we get a whole storyline around that next season with kind of how much he has been sheltered from a lot of stuff that's been going on, particularly with his family. Uh, and kind of Sully's this father figure to him, and they kind of grow together. you got to – the opposite with Carlos. Carlos is a very independent person. He's had to be through his lifestyle. Exactly. And I think the, the line there when he says, I'm 22 – At no point do I ever think Carlos is this young. Like, Carlos comes across as so much more older and mature, which is weird to say because he's such a selfish prick a lot of the time. But I think this is the difference between Carlos and Davis, who I can't wait till we get to more of their bromance later on. It's one of my favourite bromances in all of Third Watch is when these two become close. But, um... I just, I, I, yeah, I think we're going to give props to Anthony Riva for really giving a mature Carlos portrayal, because I just think that that's something that's never really talked about. And as much as I love the development of Carlos and how he comes full circle, I will be critical in season six because I kind of think they kind of dumb down his character a lot and forget a lot about what they've done with his character. Um, which again, we're a long way away from that. The rate we're doing this episode, we're going to be a few years away, but um, I think that, um, Yeah. Just, uh, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Anthony a vast betrayal of Carlos. So props to him.
1: I love that you just pointed it out. Like, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so in love with that because it's just, it's so true. D- Davis was sheltered, and Carlos had he was forced to grow up. He had to defend from he had to fend for himself. I mean, he was out there day one in the system, so he grew up maturely. I mean, I just love that you pointed that out. I mean, I didn't really, put the, I didn't really connect it to, but. That's something I relate with my sister as well is, like, she's very – she's older than me, but she's young. And I, we had a fight about that recently, too, is that I called her young, and she was, like, but I'm 29 you're only 27. But I'm, like, you're young because she was sheltered. And me, again, like Carlos Foster Systems, I grew up fast because I had to, like, learn certain things. Like, there was nobody to guide me, so I had to learn from watching or going through young – you know, going certain through certain things at a young age, and most people don't have to. And so, I mean, yeah, I love that you pointed that out, though. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's – it's fascinating and it's, it's kind of just clicked in my head there, Brandy. I didn't even really think about it too much until I said it there. But, um, I mean, yeah, like going kind of off tangent here and I think we discussed this in one of our very first episodes when I've had the pleasure of interviewing Anthony Riva several years ago and uh, talked to him briefly about his uh, portrayal of Carlos and I I just remember him talking fondly about how much fun he had playing that character Uh, and I think like you know as much as we'd love to get Anthony back on the show obviously I've spoken to Michael Beach before and interviewed him I think that if we ultimately can't get them on for fresh interviews uh, at some point we'll have to at least bring those interviews back uh, to kind of show what they said at the time um so um yeah I'll, I'll definitely put that out there that we will do that because obviously we want to get a lot of these other guys on the show too to talk to them a lot about this uh but yeah i'm a as i'm a fan of everybody basically on this show i i do love anthony Rivar and i do love the fact that he still randomly shows up i think i spoke recently about how he was on a recent episode of blue bloods which um threw me because uh he has like i don't know if he just the way his character was he'd aged a lot and like he looked, quite... Like, not an old man, but like he looked like a man. Whereas like I still think Carlos holds a lot of youth and youthfulness about him, despite being mature throughout this show. So, and and the other shows that I've seen, Anthony Rivivar and I still would never say that he's kind of got that sort of babyface look about him. But yeah, this 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 episode of Blue Bloods, I like I knew he was going to be in the episode because I saw like the guest star and I saw Anthony Rivar's name, so I was like looking out for him. But as soon as he came on screen, I had to double check. I'm like that's not. That's not anti- like, whoa, he's gotten old, and I'm not being disrespectful, like, he just, he looked, like, I'm guessing it might have been more the character, he might have aged.
1: No, because you sent me the, uh, you tagged me on Twitter about, yeah. and you sent me the picture, and I was like, whoa, and I was like, he has aged, because he is a baby face person, I mean, there's certain people in life who have that baby face no matter what, and so you're used to that, and then, like, when they age, you're just, like, taking them back, like, whoa, like, he, yeah. he, he grew into himself more, I guess, or whatever polite way to say it, you know, and, yeah. I mean, you
0: definitely are taken back. I actually just noticed here that, uh, just kind of looking at his credits, because, you know, I know we've talked a little bit about this in terms of what they've done afterwards, but I've actually just noticed here, I've never actually seen, uh, we are getting such on a tangent here, this is a long episode, anyway, um, that the the TV series, the Scream TV series, how they made a TV series about the movie Scream, um, that uh, I knew Jason Wiles was in that. Uh, He's a, a sheriff in it, apparently. But apparently Anthony Rivavar is also a sheriff in Scream. Now, I don't know if they are the sheriff at the same time or they kind of like maybe one of our listeners who have maybe seen them in there, but I would be intrigued to see that... uh, I I would be very intrigued to watch that show uh, if we have Jason Wiles and Anthony Rivavar as two sheriffs working together. Uh, A bit of a fanboy's wet dream there, Brandy. I'm kind of intrigued to see this now. That
1: is. (laughs) I don't
0: know. uh, I'm going to have to check it out. I didn't know that. I mean... Well, I'm just looking here on IMDB. It says that, uh... Eva Var was in 12 episodes as Sheriff Miguel Acosta. Jason Wiles as Sheriff Clark Hudson for 10 episodes. But judging here, um... It looks as though, um... Jason Wiles was in it between 2000... It was on 2015. Whereas Answer Var was 2016. So uh, perhaps maybe Jason Wilde's character gets killed. So Anthony Riva is a new sheriff. I don't know. I, again, I've never seen it before. So uh, it looks as though they weren't on it at the same time. But uh, that's quite interesting.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. I have noticed, like, Anthony does play a lot more police officers. Yeah. Like, Southland and, like, Blue Bloods, I think you said. And-
0: yep. Yep, for sure.
1: And now this. I mean, I noticed, like, he went from paramedic to being an officer in, like, a lot of episodes now. So that's... That's interesting,
0: pretty cool. Well, actually, one thing, we're getting so sidetracked here, but it's just fun <laughs> to talk about this. Uh, Kobe Bell, actually, I remember flicking channels once, and because he was on Burn Notice for quite some time, and um, I actually think Anthony Ravivovar was on an episode of Burn Notice with Kobe Bell, because I actually remember seeing a scene with them on screen and just losing my shit, like, going, oh, my God, Carlos and Davis are together again. But, like, they <laughs> were just obviously playing completely That's different awesome. characters. So, um, that yeah. Side We're gonna have to. I think we're gonna to have to do a side episode at some point where we just basically talk about other roles and look at them in uh, yeah. other shows. Because I mean, again, I, I deliberately watched Persons Unknown purely for the fact that Jason Wiles was in it. Um, and then recently, uh, I know Molly Price was in uh, Feud, the Ryan Murphy show. Um, so, and then, actually, on one of our episodes the other day, we were talking about a movie that had Skip Sutherland in it. So, uh, yeah, we're like we're. Getting so sidetracked here, people. But, again, this is Yoz Network. We just did a a five-and-a-half-hour episode on Titanic, so this is what generally happens. Uh, All right. um, Where are we up to? Uh, We are up to Bobby finding the watch in the gurney. Oh, that storyline about Jimmy possibly being a thief went somewhere, didn't it? Um, There's legitimately nothing here I want to say about that except for the fact that Bobby says, I miss the dark. Kim says, move to Alaska, and I like Alaska, so uh, that's the only part I want to mention that. Um, So, we then go to Bosco and Jokus, we find out that they know that they found the older boy, um, and this is kind of when they start to realise that maybe things aren't exactly what these young boys are saying, Because Jokas points out that they found uh, singed nose hairs in this boy, which obviously means he was inside the building when it was burning, which contradicts what they said about they were being outside the building. So Jokas is kind of saying, well, why do the kids lie about not being there? And Bosco is like, look, I don't want to, you know, I don't believe it. You know, I I, I, I don't believe that they're involved. So we're obviously going to get to the bottom of that very shortly. Uh, Meanwhile, Carlos... Uh he's still at the hospital and he's decided he wants to go and see Vangie, who's in the psych ward. We have probably the biggest asshole in this episode. At this point there's an even bigger asshole in this episode to come. We'll get to her. Um but this dick psychiatrist is just basically like, dude, read the sign. Can you not see this? Are you not family? Like it's like, whoa, you like you're a psychiatrist in the psych ward? Like you've got the wrong profession. Uh <laughs> Carlos asks if he can leave her a note. He goes to write her a note, but then he says he'll come back later. Uh, I mean, look, it's kind of nice that... This is the thing with Carlos, that he kind of does... You know, he's a real dick. He is a lot of the time. We just get these random sweet scenes. But you, you always notice, like, where Bosco will come full circle with his dickness and kind of be seen as a nice guy, and he kind of does that in front of people. You ever notice that, like, whenever Carlos we see on screen sort of redeems himself, it's never in front of people? Like, you remember the Thanksgiving one when he went and helped that little old lady and sat down and had some food with her? This time around, like, he's nowhere near Doc, so, like, no other characters see him kind of being nice. So it's kind of this sort of, uh, you know, uh, Carlos-centric thing, I feel, at this point, where, realistically, we only ever see nice Carlos, redeeming Carlos, not in front of other characters.
1: I think there's a point to that because I love it. I mean, yeah. I, it's hard. Like, again, his background, like, how, how he is so, like, he has this, this wall up, you know, and you don't, it's not easy to let that down, especially what you've been through, like, in that kind of background, and so I love it. Like, I like that you pointed it out, and I think they do they do well with that. Like, he has this wall up, and you're not because I have a wall up, and you don't. You're not going to put it down for anyone, especially when you've been tough all your life and you had to, be, like, be tough for something, you know, it's definitely, it's interesting you pointed, pointed that out. For
0: sure, yeah. I like them, so. Uh Outside of that, we go back to uh, Sally and Davis. Um, they hear gunshots. Can I just point out they're the worst sounding gunshots I've ever heard on Third Watch? That's, it was really cheap sounding gunshots. Yeah. Um, and it just happens to be, of course, with Malcolm. They're in the right place at the right time. So they chase down Malcolm. Uh, and the other uh, that's not Sundle that he's trying to shoot, though, is it? Is that Sundle? Or is that a no. different guy?
1: He's a lot of homeboys.
0: Yeah, one of his homeboys. Um, And then, basically, uh, Sally subdues uh, the the homeboy. Um, And then, uh, Malcolm's got the gun. He's like, get out of the way! Get out of the way! And they obviously, you know, Davis uh, helps him. I do like, uh, what what does Malcolm say, like, when Davis is like, oh, you know, I'm here trying to help you. And he's like, when have you ever done right by me? And he's like, well, I am here to do that now. I mean, like, let's be honest. Malcolm's kind of right. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I mean, Davis has only got the good intentions, but a lot of the time what he does ends up turning out to be the worst. So uh, I think Malcolm's got a a valid point here, except for the part where he wants to shoot the guy. I mean, you don't want to do that right in front of the cops. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an intense little chase sequence, but, uh, you know, like someone who often goes off at storylines that don't go anyway I do kind of find I think we'll lump in the sort of the Malcolm stuff here just kind of conclude this storyline obviously um, we find out that Sunder's in jail he's gone away for a long time and then we kind of get the conclusion here with uh, Malcolm and Davis uh, back with the sister we see her again calling him too tall you're alright too tall um, and then kind of the conclusion there where uh, Davis goes to leave and he's like, "Oh, I've got nothing to do. I'm going to be sitting at home watching TV. So maybe I'll hang out here for a while." Malcolm's just like, "Yeah, whatever." It's kind of like the first time we ever actually see sort of Malcolm, a bit of a smile on his face. Like he's he's happy. He's kind of got this like you know guy looking out for him and finally i think it's uh, it's weird like i'm gonna say this i know i said this last time and i'll probably be wrong uh but this is the last time we see malcolm um so i think it's kind of like a a nice little conclusion with a an interesting season-long storyline which i guess had its moments went nowhere in some aspects but i think it's it's a nice little thing here for for davis to kind of have someone to look out for at this stage
1: I think so too, and I think maybe that was Sunder. I'm looking at I'm looking at the picture. I'm like, was that? Sunder?
0: Yeah, I it, yeah, muscle, it might have been. Yeah, I mean,
1: it was locked up, but then I, I'm thinking like maybe they didn't have enough to hold on hold him on. So it looks like him, but um, yeah, no, I love the conclusion of it. I do love like at the end, Malcolm's like, you know what? All right, all right, you know, like I I, I like it. It's like a yeah. little brother, you know. It's it's, it's it's cool. It's cute. I mean, there's not much to say. I mean, <laughs> it was a good
0: conclusion. Um, judging here on IMDb, it is his last appearance. So, (laughs)
1: Well, it was nice to know you, Malcolm.
0: It was, Malcolm. Season one, little guy that, uh, we we grew to sort of appear every now and then. Um, but then we go back, um, Bosco with the, the young kid, basically getting him to tell the truth. And then Bosco kind of, like, gets alone with him, opens up a little bit about how his parents used to hurt him, um, and Bosco wanted to hurt him, hurt them right back again. A nice little, just a, a passing little reference there by Bosco. But again, I think it's kind of a, a, a understanding moment there, where it comes to learning a little bit more about the background of his character. Um, but uh, we kind of learn from this boy that um, his mum was a drunk. Uh, that they basically wanted to get away from her. Uh, but they also didn't want to get away from... They didn't want to go back to their dad. Because I, I think... It's, I mean, it's loosely explained. Maybe fill me in here, Brandy. Maybe I'm not paying too much attention to this storyline. But I, I've kind of always questioned this. So, essentially, the dad actually doesn't hurt the kids. I know he pushed down the the older brother. But from what we learn, it was kind of antagonised to do it. And that, essentially, she fell asleep... With the the fire, but didn't they then didn't do anything to stop them calling it? So I always I always had this weird memory that the boy started the fire, but um, essentially these kids are kind of making up lies because they don't want to go back to their dad. They're painting the dad out as a bit of an abusive father. But from what I'm gathering here, he's not as abusive as we're led to believe. Am I getting all that correct? Well, no, I
1: think so. I mean, from what I got, always. I Whenever I, I come across this episode, the same the same thing comes across my mind is that the boy started the fire, and then I forget about the little things where the dad is not innocent, but he is technically innocent to what they were kind of uh, blaming him for. It. But I I do believe they're both abusive. What it comes down to is like they both were abusive, but and so because they do end up in the foster home at the end. To sum it okay. up, they don't go to their dad; they end up in the, the system. So the dad was abusive. It's just. In this episode, I think it's, like, they just put more... Of, it was more of, like, who done it? Who did it? Or what happened, I guess. I don't know. I mean...
0: I think it's, yeah, it's it's not, it's, it's, it's explained, but it's not explained. I think yeah. it would have been, a, you know, like... Because we get that scene, obviously, with Bosco at the end, as you said, where he's kind of, like... Because we get that nice little scene between him and Davis, which is a rare, like, a Bosco and Davis scene? When have we had this before? Um, and it's kind of, like, you know davis says something about like maybe there is something you can do for these little boys because bosco's obviously saying well there's nothing we can do and obviously we get that conclusion scene where bosco's like i'm you know i'm i'm asking you can you put them together and it's kind of like this poor like social worker <laughs> like i mean you know pressure <laughs> um but you know it's i mean there's there's not a whole lot really else to tell in this storyline it's i will say like it's It's sweet that kind of Bosco has a bit of a fatherly role here. And I kind of maybe that goes back to what was in an episode or two ago where he said, like, I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to have kids. And the thing that I'm going to find very interesting when we get to season two is that we've kind of discussed with Bosco that it really doesn't turn out too good for him in terms of this whole thing of him wanting kids and that. And I just wonder if they how they went with this direction with Bosco as a character because it really does seem like they're setting this up for him and Nicole to kind of, you know, go a long way. It's very much shoved aside him and Nicole in Season 2 and it's done in the very first episode. And I'll be very critical of that when we get to that episode because it's just, I think, the big build-up that we have here between Nicole and Bosco, just the way they kind of click their fingers and it's done... And we really don't get any more Bosco relationships moving forward, except for him and Cruz, which isn't even really a relationship, you would say. So it's, I mean, I mean, okay, it kind of is, but that's a whole different story. But, like, I think the thing with Bosco that's interesting, and this is one thing that I'll look forward to talking about, Brandy, when we do get to the beginning of Season 3, post 9-11, is that this show, to me, would have gone a completely different direction had 9-11 not happened. And I think it's important to note that this is a show... Around the emergency services in New York City There's no way they could avoid 9-11 But I think that one thing that I will always have a question mark over this show And particularly when we get to these later episodes Because we can, I think, really pinpoint a lot of these characters And how they turn out How they would have been different had 9-11 not happened um, mm-hmm. And I, I really feel that with Bosco's development Like kind of with his personal life He would have been a very different character Because uh, 9-11 definitely affects him a great deal when it comes to that as well. So I just think it's sort of my, my point around this is what I'm trying to say is that like, it's a nice little scene as Bosco is like a fatherly figure. And we don't really get any more of this because there may be a few exceptions here and there, but um, I just think it's kind of one of these rare moments where Bosco is really not a dick at all. This episode. So, um, you know, this is why I love this guy. I love Bosco, but yeah, anyway, I've sidetracked on many points there.
1: No, no, I hear you. I, uh, I agree. I mean, cause I don't think we would have a uh, Taylor either if nine eleven didn't happen. I mean, I don't think she would. Well, she had
0: came a big in pre 11 but I think her the her yeah anyway I think sorry. the biggest
1: world she had like the, one of the biggest like character arcs yeah, during yeah, that yeah, season. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so I, mean,
0: I don't think what happened to Doc would have necessarily happened to the extent it does uh, without 9-11. But yes. like, again, we're getting well ahead of ourselves. But I mean, one thing that I think we can never criticize Third Watch for. Is being tackier over the top with uh, 9/11. It handled it so well, and I think that the development of these characters around the events is done so well. I have no criticisms at all for how they handled it and how their characters developed because of 9/11. I my question is is like how this show would have been different and what would have happened to these characters. Um, you know, and I think it's I think it's more of a case of. 9 11 happening in the middle of this show. If this show premiered after 9 11 or before, like, and ran ended before 9 11, you're going to have a very different show. Um, but given this happened smack bang, literally in the middle of Third Watch's run, um, the way they would have had to change the direction. I would love to one day, I mean, of course, I'd love to talk to John Wells. That would be an amazing interview. But I would honestly like to, a lot of that interview would be based around did you have plans for these characters before 9-11 and how would have these characters turned out? And maybe that's a question we can pose to some of the actors. They might know. Like, if Skip Sardis does the interview, he might sort of know. Because I'm sure there were scripts written for Season 3, pre-9-11, of where these characters were going. So, um, that's a big question we can maybe... And anyone listening to this, perhaps you've got some ideas of of how you think it would have gone or what you'd have liked to see uh, to these characters um, had that not happened. So um anyway sidetracked uh that's what we do on the show um doc and morales uh back in his dad's apartment that's doc's um actually no i've missed a scene haven't i uh jimmy and kim (laughs) of course uh we get random kim having to loosely explain her accusations which she doesn't really because she's just basically like you hurt me in a lot of ways um, and I'm sorry that I was never there for you, and then Jimmy's like, oh, don't blame yourself. Brooke shows up, because um, remember, Jimmy's with Brooke. That comes in a lot more into the next episode. I do like it when Kim walks off and Brooke's like, is she okay? And Jimmy's like, hell if I know. <laughs> like, it's just kind of... I think, I mean, what you can, I guess, gather from all of this is given how this season's going to end with Kim and Jimmy, particularly in the next episode, leading then into the finale, is that it's kind of setting up a little bit here with Kim, Her feelings for Jimmy, and, you know, we've always talked about this, you know, love situation between these two, so, I don't, do you have anything to add on this, you know, deep storyline between Kim's false accusations of Jimmy because Bobby decided to be a bit of a dick at some point in this episode?
1: Not really, I mean... (laughs) There's nothing to (laughs) say. I don't know why, but I'm kind of like over to Kim and Jimmy. Oh, no, don't say that. I mean, no, I'm not Kimmy, the,
0: that's that's their shipping name, isn't it? Kimmy or Jim? Jim. <laughs> Kimmy,
1: Kimmy. Is it Jimmy, Kimmy? Oh, hashtag wow. Kimmy.
0: It's got to be Kimmy. <laughs> yeah,
1: because, yeah.
0: <laughs> no. Jim.
1: No, no, I don't know. Wow, it's crazy how, like, if you put, either way you put their name, you exactly. come up with the name.
0: So why are you over it? So what you, is this just graining
1: on you? I and mean, what, what is it about Kim and Jimmy here that you, you're not Oh, no, in this aspect, I'm just done, like, with the back and forth. Like, I'm so sorry for hurting your feelings. I'm sorry for hurting your feelings, too. And then, like, back and forth. I mean, I love Bobby in the next episode because I, I feel like Bobby in a way. Like, when he kind of just, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, in the next episode, Bobby is kind of yeah. like this. <laughs> I've filmed like
0: that a little bit. It's interesting, because I, like, I, I for some reason, really do like this ongoing Kim and Jimmy thing, which is weird, because, like, usually I'm not a fan of the whole will-they-won't-they they scenario in a lot of shows, because I think it gets overdone, but I don't know, there's always something endearing about Kim and Jimmy, how they keep it going, and I always, you, I always deep down want them to get together, even though I was probably more Team Bobby, but... I mean, they just shoved that aside. They had sex. Great. Done now. He's on to Trevor, who, I mean, where's Trevor? I mean, again, we talked about this last episode. What's happened to her? She's gone. (laughs)
1: You know, it's like random Brooke appearance. Remember her?
0: Where the fuck's Trevor?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would definitely say, I think later on I get back into, like, okay, I'm loving this. But I think, like, the little moments like these, like, just her apologizing, I'm over Like, I like the bigger moments where, where like, in a minute matters. Like, when something happens to Jimmy and Kim's, like, you know... I mean, little things like that, I'm like, okay, I love that. But little moments like these, I'm just over, I guess. I don't know why.
0: I think I've just discovered something here too, Brandy, is that uh, Bobby's got this weird vortex of ex-girlfriends who just become obsolete. Um, You know, Dana. Oh, let's all ship Dana and and Bobby. Nope, Dana, fade in the background, you be in your place there. Oh, here's Trevor. Nope, fade in the background, you be your place. Uh, And, you know, Kim kind of owns him, but, like... Let's be honest here. like, Bobby's love life is just kind of just fabricated in the background, and even sort of him and Taylor, it feels like it gets forced to an extent where they have to kind of have this weird episode about them not being together anymore. So it's kind of like... Uh, I, I kind of feel Bobby Cannavale's uh, pain here about why he wanted to get written out of the show, because, I mean, you know, even his, like, side storylines of love here are just kind of just being absolutely ignored.
1: Well, question for uh listeners. What would you have loved seeing, like, go down with Bobby, I mean, in the future? I mean, I because mean, a lot of our listeners, they have, like, listened to, like, seen it. And some of them haven't. A lot of them haven't. And for the ones that have seen the seasons, what, have you, what would you have liked for Bobby to have? I mean, because that is interesting. Because, like, we don't really get to explore, like, many sides of him besides, like, the love life mainly. And then, like, a little bit of his family side. And that's it. I mean, I don't really, when you think about it, or, like, I don't know which way they could have gone with Bobby as much. I don't know what we could have... What they could have done. It
0: just feels... Yeah, I agree. That's a good question. And I'd be intrigued to see the answers. Because I think kind of like all jokes aside about Bobby kind of becoming obsolete really from this point on. I mean... Compared the paramedic storylines we're getting so much on doc we're getting so much on carlos we're getting doc sort of a morales we're getting carlos in this sort of pregnancy kim's at least got jimmy to fall back on in terms of that storyline you know like yeah we're not seeing as much as kim in these episodes as well you could argue but at least kind of kim's got this connection to jimmy where you can relate this storyline around it and we're going to see that kind of even the Bobby's kind of like the invisible middleman who kind of from this point on, like, there's legitimately a storyline in the second season, which I absolutely hate because it just goes nowhere. When, uh, him and that little boy that he finds, um, it's just, it's just, there's legitimately no purpose to this storyline because it feels like it's setting it up for something. Particularly, there's a line there, I think, from one of the, uh, the nurses who says, like, oh, and he's good looking and single and he's this caring. It's kind of like, Oh, they're sending Bobby up again to get back with Kim. I don't know, but it just goes nowhere. So, like, and this is... I'm not not disliking Bobby. I like Bobby. I like Bobby Cannavale, and I like the character, but I can definitely see why Bobby Cannavale wanted to leave this show in about a season's time
1: because there's nothing done with his character. I mean, that scene gave me hope. That's one of my favourite scenes, and I think that's what, like, kind of made me mad with how, you know, like, not how, but when he left the show and... Because it was, like, that scene right there kind of gives you hope. Like, okay, like, he's a good guy. I mean, maybe they can build on that. Because it was, like, it was a touching scene with the boy and him. And, like, it's, like, okay, he's single and he's a good – he could be a good father. I mean, but, again, like, I think the reason why is, like, he didn't – because, like, they started early on with Carlos and everybody, like, with their storylines. And then he didn't have one. So to start one, of like, in the second season, I guess, like, he was probably just fed up. Like, you know what? I don't see anything going I don't know. I mean – We'll get to it. I mean,
0: there's uh, I, again. I love season two. It's such a great season, but uh, there's still frustrating moments in it. Um, yeah. So anyway, Doc and Morales, uh, they're in the cleaning the apartment. Essentially, this kind of leads to um, Doc basically saying, "Let's move into the apartment." So they're going to live in his dad's old apartment, um, and then he's obviously uh, talking about um, you know, sort of his life, having what Carlos was saying. Now, I've written here. It's so interesting here to kind of see these comparisons here and what will happen to Doc and what happens to Carlos. The way Doc says, Oh, yeah, my life has been pretty blessed. Or is that Morales who says, You have been pretty blessed. And they kind of agree. They're like, Yeah, I've had a pretty blessed life. And Carlos hasn't. They literally swap over lives. Can I just point this out right now for people to keep an eye on? In the lead up to this moment, Doc has had a pretty good life until this point. Carlos has had a pretty shit life until this point. And I'm not saying Carlos has the greatest life moving forward. There's still definitely, uh, downs for Carlos to come. But in terms of what happens to Doc, like, you've gotta, you gotta see this here, Brandon. It's crazy that these two at this point, this is the switch point. They literally go onto different rails and go into different lives in the opposite direction of where they've come from. I think that, like, we give Third Watch, you know, shit for having bad continuity. And this could be complete coincidental in terms of how they develop these characters. But, I mean, if this was written in the stars and this is how it's meant to be, I think this is brilliant how they've kind of switched these characters over at this point.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I don't... Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much to say either this time around, but... Uh, <laughs> I think I'm just tired. You just but, yeah. <laughs>
0: Just, I, I just well, said to no, people, I mean, keep an eye on this. Just, and we keep saying about Doc. Well, down. I think
1: I'm, I'm also, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for like one scene. I'm excited about. All right, <laughs> I,
0: I'm kind of intrigued what this is going to be. But yeah, just keep an eye on that, folks. I really feel this is the turning point for these two characters. I mean, it's it's a gradual thing. It doesn't just happen in one episode. But uh well, no, just, no. Just remember that point. Uh, moving, moving forward there. Uh, so anyway, yes, yeah, so they're going to get that apartment. Uh, so, yeah, we get the nice little Davis and Bosco scene we've already talked about. Is this the scene you're talking about now, Sully's date? Is this what you're... Now, look, I already mentioned about Dick Psychiatrist. Um, what's this woman's name? Shauna. Fuck you, Shauna. You are a... You are an ass. Like...
1: She's a... I'll say it. She's a bitch, man. You can say a bitch. I,
0: mean- I feel like you can get away with calling her a bitch. I don't want to call her a bitch. But, like, she's an ass. No, fuck it. She's a bitch.
1: Um, she-
0: <laughs> I'm not going to defend this woman. This Sully, you know, doesn't want to go on this damn thing in the first place. He's been obviously talked into this by Davis, rocks up to this diner, sees her. Straight away, she is the most condescending, arrogant little twat head towards him. And this is where, like I've said, I feel like a lot of the time I relate to Sully personally because you know, I'm a bigger man. I guess, you know, I've got to go into these situations where I'm going to show up to a date like this and they've got to have that first impressions of me. And you can just tell her first impression is just something of, you know, like, who the hell is this? And even, like, Sully, though, props to Sully. He handles it so well because he's just basically like... I'm not what you're expecting. And like, he's like, and she then tries to engage in conversation. She's obviously like, okay, well, he's not what I thought he would look like, but clearly you're like an FBI agent or something like this. And then he's just like, I'm a cop. I'm a beat cop. And just the look on her face, it's like, fuck you,
1: you stupid bitch. (laughs) The fact that she turned her nose up at him being a cop, like, are you fucking kidding i mean bitch you deserve a guy who cheats on you i'm sorry but (laughs) i'm glad i'm not the only one
0: here thank you brandy for backing my point up here um i mean she literally like even when sally says like i like what i do i'm a good cop and she's just like oh i'm sure um and then the way um what does he say like i don't know which one of us wants to be here less um and then, what does she say, like, oh, when you work up to expectations or something like that, it's like, fuck you!
1: Like, what were you expecting? Like, Jimmy to walk in? Like, I mean... Like, you ain't no, like you ain't no doll yourself? Are you kidding me? I mean, she's an actress, but, I mean, the character, yeah, you ain't no doll I'm not no going on the yourself. actress. The
0: actress does it well. She she makes us hate her, so, like, props to the actress. It's the character we're hating on here. I
1: mean, I mean that's what's like, wait, she's an actress, so I don't want to, like, talk about her looks in real life, but, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, mean, if that was her... If that was like, her character outlook, though. Like, you ain't no doll yourself, so I don't know what you're expecting.
0: (laughs) I mean, like, we've all been there, Brandy. We've all been on dates that I guess aren't what we expected to be. We've all kind of talked to people beforehand. You're obviously perfect, though, Brandy. So, like, no one would have different expectations of you because you're beautiful. But, like, when it comes to, like, my experiences, I've been on things like this where you show up. The first impression is kind of like, oh, okay, okay. But I'm never going to be a dick about it. Like, I'm still just going to, like, I'll, I'll I'll tell a mini story here. I had one in Alaska where I met a girl on Tinder. We got talking. First impressions. And I could tell from her as well. It wasn't just me. But you can tell when you meet someone that it was just like, oh, mm, you're not what I expected. This is awkward. But, like, at least we still both went out. We had a drink. We had a conversation. We left. And we didn't talk again. And it, it, there was no animosity between us. We It was what it was. And it was just a nice little time to go around and talk with someone. So I mean, you're you're not. I'm not saying that you always have to go into these situations and like, oh God, you're so hot. Let's go back to my place and fuck. It's like it's just like she she had to handle that so much. I feel so sorry for Sully in that scene. Like poor Sully. I just want to
1: punch well, her. You like, can. I'm have- not
0: allowed to, but you can.
1: <laughs> I got you. I would. I'll give her. I'll punch her twice. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, like cause, like, no, I, like me. I- <laughs> There you go. Like, I've never been on dates like that. I guess, like, I've always dated people from, like, high school or something like that. And, like, I had a kid young. So, after that, I stopped dating, which is no excuse, I guess. But, I mean, so, I just want to punch her. Like, oh, <laughs> Like, Solly already – me and you talked about this. Solly has a depressing life at times. I mean, yep. it's sad at times. And then he goes through this crap. Bitch, you don't need this. <laughs> I, mean,
0: yep. I will say – um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I do like the line when he says, like, uh, I have to thank you. You made me realize how much I hate dating. Um, which is, you know, I, I feel you there, man. I feel you there. Um, but like, I think he paid it for her cup of coffee. You don't even pay for that shit. I wouldn't even pay for it. Well, he's a gentleman. Like, you know, come on. Um, like, I think they should have done a funny little, like, you know, this is just the most forgettable, pointless character ever. But how funny would it be? like, next episode, they get called out to, like, a house or something like that. And, you know, she's the one calling the cops. And all of a sudden, he's just sort of like, oh, yes, yeah, so and now you need my help. I'm just not your standard cop now. Yes! Um, <laughs> but uh, I've just looked her up. So, the actress, the actress Sarah Knowlton. Nothing against you, Sarah. Uh, you make us hate you. You're a good actress that you make us hate you. Um, but she hasn't actually really done anything since 2010. So uh, maybe she's living with regret of playing such a terrible character. We've kind of talked about all the other scenes here, except obviously for the closing bit here with uh, Bosco. They're at his mum's um, party. And uh, we obviously just see Bosco sitting at the bar. There's a stripper. Nicole's loving it. Uh, Bosco's mum's loving it. Um, it's certainly uh, a fun. Like, he's got a very interesting mother. And we get to meet her for the first time, ladies and gentlemen. Here she is, Rose Boscarelli, uh, played by the absolutely amazing Paddy Arbenville. Uh, I spoke about her briefly Uh, She was on an episode of Nip Tuck already She was a very minor character in one episode of Nip Tuck Um, But I think I spoke highly of her in that episode Uh, But yeah, look This is one of these side characters Who she's actually uh, According to IMDb in it for 16 different episodes And uh, she actually Is on, I think, at least season 5 I'm not sure if it's in season 6 But um, one thing that I will say is that Just whenever you see Bosco's mum from this point on she always looks different. I swear she always has the same hairstyle. So I remember when I used to watch this show, I always assumed it was a different actress every single time they pl- they showed her. It didn't take me, uh, you know, it took me a while to realize that it actually still was Patty de D'Ar- d'Arbanville the whole time. And I love her. She is an amazing, amazing actress. And just the character of Rose Boscarelli, like, this is Bosco's mum. You would believe this is Bosco's mum. Um, so, you know, she's, she's a little bit trashy. She's a little bit, you know, out there, but she's just she awesome. She has some moments. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: mean, I mean, I love her. I mean, she's a great actress. I mean, you do, she does have different hairstyles. Cause like seeing this scene, I was like, oh, that's great. And I was, I was completely thinking of Bosco's mom, like in the second season, you know, how she looked. I forgot that she was, I forgot about this scene, but I mean, she does have her moments. I mean, hate or love her. She's Bosco.
0: Yeah, for sure. And just get used okay. to it, folks, because she's definitely going to be here uh, for a long time around. Uh, and we love her. We love Bosco's mum. Uh, but just obviously close out with a nice little scene uh, where we see Bosco and uh, Nicole sharing a little smile. And obviously, sort of in the exchange between Bosco and his mum, he mentions a little bit about, um, you know, oh, growing up wasn't that great, but you were always there for me, mum. And I think that's kind of the best thing about kind of. You know, Rose Boscarelli moving forward Is that, you know, the relationship between her and Bosco I've just looked it up here Yeah, she does appear in uh, every season, basically, from this fourth. She's in season six So, um, yeah, she's she's always there they, they do have their conflicts every now and then um, But, uh, whereas, like, with his dad Who kind of comes into it a lot later Although there is one particular interesting scene in a future season Where it's, like, the back of his head um, Yeah, so, anyway we love Bosco's Mum. We get to see you for the very first time. Uh, thank you, Paddy de for being awesome. Uh, but we're at the end of the episode here. This is probably our longest episode yet, but uh, we always get sidetracked. Uh, and of course, this is the point of the episode where we like to uh, rate it. And for those tuning in for the first time, our rating system, of course, is buy it, you loved it, rent it, you thought it was okay, and bin it, you thought it was pretty shit. Uh, so what are you doing with this one, Brandy? You're buying it, you're renting it, or you're binning it? I'm renting it. Renting it? Just
1: renting it. Yeah, it was a good... I like the storyline. I mean, it was touching moments, but I mean, like you said, there was some gaping plot holes with the... The kids was kind of confusing, and then also just Malcolm with the sister thing. That was a while... It, it was... There was a lot of different holes in the plots, and so I'll rent it. It was a good one. What about you, Ben?
0: Yeah, I was very close to a buy it. It'd be a low buy, but I'm going to put it as a high rent, because I think, yeah, I think kind of with a few plot holes that we pointed out, and just... Even sort of the main storyline with, with the kid, it just to me, it wasn't fully closed off. And even, yeah, just the the fact that we just have random, let's accuse Jimmy of being a thief, like, I just, it doesn't work. Uh, but, I mean, definitely standouts here. Carlos, uh, you know, the Bosco went with the kid, and obviously the Bosco, the Bosco, uh, the Bosco stuff with his mum. You know, the doc, the doc stuff, too, is pretty decent. Uh, as much as I hate the whole Jimmy's a thief thing, I think kind of random Jimmy this episode, though, actually works quite well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a high rent for me, um, but, uh, not quite in the buy category. So, there you go, that's a thousand points of light. We're now into the penultimate episode next time around. Just another night at the opera, and, uh, this is kind of like one of these ones that I, I always forget it's in this season, and I forget it's an episode, but I always then feel it's such an underrated episode whenever I do watch it. I always forget how good this episode actually is. And it's it's kind of like, it's a stock standard episode. There's really nothing that makes this one stand out. But there are definitely some moments in this one where, like, I just think this is a an underrated episode that needs to be talked about more. Um, it, it's kind of, um, you know, it's got a, a whole plotline really around Bosco and Nicole and parents, which is fun. Um, we've got a bit more of Carlos and Vanji. Uh, the return of Candyman, which again I completely forgot that he came back into it. Um <laughs> and then we get a bit of a shock with Jimmy. <gasps> da, da, da. And and He dies. i yeah, 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 they all die. There's a big bomb. Um <laughs> and du Bobby has a slight storyline. <laughs> oh. Which actually, uh, I will say it's kind of shit. <laughs> so they, they tried with Bobby. They at least tried. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, do you have anything to say on Just Another Night at the Opera? I'll,
1: well, I'll just say there's a reason why I'm over to Kim and Jimmy. And we'll <laughs> find out in the next episode. I mean, I'm not over it, like, completely, like, against it. It's just one thing that pissed me off. And I'm just like, Ugh.
0: Well, I'm, so. I'm saying this, Brandy. I'm saying this right now. Hashtag Team Kimmy. Uh, <laughs> so. Who would have thought I was initially Team Bobby, but now I'm Team Kimmy, not Team... Hashtag
1: nobody. No.
0: Just <laughs> I was going to say, are you hashtag uh, Brimmy or Druk? How would you put Brooke and Jimmy together?
1: <laughs> I am hashtag no... I'm hashtag... I don't know, because I'm... Yeah, we'll
0: hashtag just find out. You gotta gotta on Grey's Anatomy.
1: <laughs> there we go, yes. Boo.
0: <laughs> No, we want Kim Raver back on Twenty Four as Aubrey, even though spoiler alert, she kind of gets killed off, and when they returned it a few years ago. But we're still mourning that because uh, Aubrey was awesome on Twenty Four because we love Kim Raver. I think Kim she's Raber. back
1: on Grey's Anatomy too. Yeah, she I just think I saw back. that.
0: Yeah. Yay! No, not yay. Because again, she went from the greatest show in the world to the second greatest show in the world to the worst show in the world. So. But
1: she's military. But she's military uh, though. So I mean, that, I love seeing a military. Uh, I love I just, seeing her being like a military person. I just cool. I just
0: want to take this moment to say that I love Kim Raver. So you're forgiven because you're Kim Raver, and I love you. Um, this has been <laughs> the longest one yet, but of course we'll be back again next week. Uh, as Brandy said, we've got some uh, great questions out there for our listeners in terms of uh, discussion points of Third Watch, and uh, we obviously appreciate any feedback you want to give us uh, to the people in the Third Watch fans groups. Of course, that includes you. By all means, comment on these episodes. Put your point for, point forward. We can discuss them on an episode. And, uh, obviously, we're the only outlet really out there on the internet where we can talk about Third Watch. So, uh, by all means, we're uh, open to suggestions and open to uh, comments and everything along those lines because... We know it's been 12 years since this show ended and uh, 18 years since this show began, and a lot of people are probably venting this deep inside that they want to talk about it, hence why Brandy and I are doing a podcast series about it. So uh, let us know. You can contact us, uh, of course, on our Facebook page or, of course, uh, the Network at hotmail.com. Just go to the oldsnetwork.net and click on the contact page there as well. And remember to like us on Facebook while you're there, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes. If you don't use iTunes, of course, we're available on Stitcher and Spotify as well. And, uh, yeah, we definitely appreciate all the feedback and all the support that you are giving us as we continue on our Third Watch coverage. Outside of Third Watch, we've got plenty of other shows and movies to keep you occupied as well, so you can find them all on those services that I just mentioned. My name is Ben. We're getting out of here right now, and I'll just say that I am uh, four short of a six-pack.
1: My name is Brandy and I want things. I'm not going to feel bad.
0: Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.